Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort. So you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone. Ben here. I'd just like to take a moment to thank some of our patrons. Jeff Goodhind, Le Raven, Ryan Byrne, Rachel Brownhill, Chad Wiley, Paul Richardson, Doug Bostick, Cooper Dukes, Jay Honzi, Mark H, Disaster Nick. Thank you all. We really appreciate your support. If you'd like to join them, go to www.patreon.com forward slash Rusty Quill and take a look at our rewards. Rusty Quill presents The Magnus Archive.
episode 99, Dust to Dust. Case 9522002, Robert E. Geiger. Incident occurred in Boyce City, Oklahoma, April 1935. Victim's name given as Stefan Brochen. Statement given 20th of February 1952, committed to tape 2nd of September 2007. Gertrude Robinson, recording. I read somewhere once I was the first man to use the term dust bowl. Now that's not so. Maybe the first the boys in the New York office had heard, but down in Oklahoma it wasn't too unusual a turn of phrase. Wide, flat, open spaces. You could see a storm coming for miles, coming straight at you all across the horizon, looking near as anything like the end of the world. Those were bad days. Worse than anyone knows. Did my best to spread the word, filed my copy with the AP, but there was plenty I never did find the words for. There were things in the dust that I never told to a soul. That's why I decided to step in on you folks. I still wish there was a place like this back home, but the way things are going, they'd be up in front of Congress, likely as not, so maybe it's for the best. You know much about dust pneumonia? Don't know why you would do, really. There isn't much of it about these days. Wasn't back then, either, at least before the storms came. Then there was plenty. The name makes it sound more complicated than it is. You see, dust pneumonia is just a medical way of saying your lungs are full of mud. Too much goes in, you see, and it clogs up all the bits of your chest that should clear them out. There's fever, difficulty breathing, infection... The dust mixes with the moisture of your insides, and soon enough you're drowning, your lungs packed solid with mud and mucus. Awful thing to happen to anybody, but that's what the dust storms were, great chunks of earth torn up and hurled across the open plains, desperate to find some poor, unsheltered throat and climb inside. They buried you alive, without even giving you the courtesy of getting you below the ground. I saw so many choking farmers, their dirt-street faces seemed to blend together, watching as their livelihoods evaporated with the rain, as their farms, their homes, their lives collapsed into dirt. It was all a long, sepia blur, weather-beaten faces caked in that same patina of misery and grit. All except for Stefan... Stefan Brochen was, to all appearances, much the same as any other oaky farmer, strongly built with a mess of short, curly, blonde hair and a round, smiling face. But his eyes were different. There was something there. I, I was never quite sure what, but they had a, a depth, a, a quiet intensity to them that struck me the first time I saw him. I'd been gathering comment for an AP article on the latest dust storms to hit the area, there had been a lot of interest nationally after one dust storm made it all the way to Washington, 
and my editor was keen to get some comment from the people worst hit. So, naturally, I ended up in Boy's City. And there was always something odd about that town, something about it at odds with the land it sat on, challenged the wide stretches of nothing. I guess that's not a surprise, looking back. I did some research on the place afterwards, you see. Did you know that Boy's City was founded by fraud? I mean, literal, send-you-to-prison fraud. Yeah, back in 1908, three men decided to start selling the deeds to land they didn't own. They printed up hundreds of brochures. Come to scenic Boy's City, tree-line boulevards, all the amenities, even a railroad station. All ready and waiting for brave souls to head out there and settle. And people bought it, almost three thousand of them. Of course, when they finally arrived to this fabled town, there was absolutely nothing there, just empty, waiting earth. They didn't even own the plots of land they'd been sold. But they stayed, and they built a town. Not a great town by any stretch, not even a good town, truth be told, but there it was, in defiance of all good sense. One of the men who settled in the newly formed boy's city was Stefan Brochen's father, he was long dead by the time we met his son. My photographer, a small man named Harry Eisenhard, had been told about the Brochen farm when asking about places around the area hit bad by the storms. Stefan's fields had nothing left but dry earth, they told us. Farmhouse stripped almost bare by the harsh winds, his livestock dead and already half buried, his family gone. Never found out more than that, just gone. When we pulled up that Sunday, the place was everything we'd been told, and more. We'd see the top of wheels and farm equipment poking up through the ground, until we realised it wasn't the ground, just a good three feet of newly fallen dirt half burying the ploughs and wagon. I saw what must once have been a cow, covered from the neck up in coarse and clinging dust. Harry and I had wrapped our handkerchiefs over our faces, as the men back in town had told us, but the air was already thick and I could hear Harry coughing beside me. I'd seen a few victims of the dust pneumonia by this point, and the sound of his breathing made me press the cloth close to my face and offer up a silent prayer. Stefan did not wear a cloth across his face when he came out to meet us, and I could see the fine particles collecting in his hair and the corners of his eyes. He smiled warmly and waved us over. I've tried in the years since to remember if there was anything behind that smile, anything dark or secret that I might have overlooked. There was nothing. The soft, friendly voice was, as far as I can tell, genuine, and as Stefan Brochen sat there in his small, dusty kitchen, telling us his misfortunes, there was no clue in his face as to what must have been going on inside him. His story was not unusual, and I'm sure that if you hunted down a copy of the Lubbock Evening Journal from that week, there'd be most of it in there. Crops dying, soil parched, and a farm on the brink of ruin, all ruled over by that desperate, empty hope of rain. He never mentioned his family, and I never thought to ask, though the house was clearly far too big for Stefan to live there alone. He offered us a drink at one point, just water but I couldn't bring myself to accept. I just had this image playing through my mind over and over again. He stands up, walks over, pulls out a bottle of thick, 
flowing mud, opens it and pours it down his throat with a smile on his face. Just my imagination, I told myself, just letting the dust get to me. It only took an hour or two before I decided I had enough material for the story, and I stood up and thanked him for his time. Harry did the same, and I shook Stefan by the hand. As I touched his skin, I almost pulled my hand away, it was so hot. It was a dry, feverish heat, and I looked at his face and saw for the first time the fierce, flushed redness, the forehead slick with sweat. His chest started to convulse, and he doubled over, spluttering out a clod of pulpy brown sludge onto the wooden floor. I started to ask if he was okay, but Harry tugged on my arm, gesturing outside with an almost wild urgency. It all seemed to be happening so fast I could barely register what was going on, or at least until I got outside and looked west. The vast, rolling black cloud stretched before us as far as we could see. It was coming for us with such a speed that there was a part of me that immediately knew, despite all logic, that it was trying to kill me, and me alone. It was the worst dust storm I had ever seen, and it promised to blot out everything. I ran back inside to warn Stefan and ask if he had anywhere we had wait out the storm, but I found him lying on the ground. He was face down, a thin trickle of dirt oozing slowly from his mouth and nose. I called to Harry, told him Stefan needed help, but he could barely hear me over the wind, which was now so fierce that it seemed to drown everything else out. When I finally made him understand, he seemed none too keen to drive through the storm and warn me the engine would clog before we got halfway back to Boy's City. I said we had no choice but to try. If we didn't, then Stefan was already dead. We covered his face with a cloth and carried him out and into our small car, laying him into the back as gently as we could. The wind was so sharp it felt like it was trying to strip the flesh from my skull. I had to hold my hand in front of my eyes to keep out the dirt that was whipping around at forty miles an hour. Even with my handkerchief covering my mouth, I could feel the dust creeping in, forming a damp, cloying paste between my teeth, and the storm hadn't even hit yet. I climbed into the driver's seat while Harry scuttled round to the passenger side, and with Stefan laid across the back, we turned and began the drive back towards town, trying to convince ourselves we had any hope of outrunning the storm. We did not. It bore down on us like the judgment from heaven, and in less than a moment the sun was gone and the sky was black. I tried to keep driving, but I could hear the engine choking, spluttering, and finally coming to an end. It's hard to describe just how dark it is in the middle of a dust storm. It's not just the lack of sun, but that no light can penetrate more than a few feet before the swirling, opaque cloud kills it dead. It's loud, with the wind and the sound of those dry specks of earth blasting against the car, but it's the sort of loud that after a while starts to feel a, a lot like silence. We did our best to plug up any gaps in the windows or the frame and keep as much of the dust outside as we could, and then well, we sat there, feeling for all the world like we were the last people left alive, entombed within our metal coffin. I tried to say something to Harry, to, to reassure him, but opening my mouth just invited more dust, and I was already coughing more than enough to panic. 
So we just sat there in what felt like silence for over an hour, trying not to think about the storm or the poor Oklahoma farmer dying on our back seat. We just waited. And at some point, Stefan must have finally died. I know this because when he started talking to us again, there was no way he could have made those noises unless his lungs and throat were fully packed with sediment. The words were soft, insistent, and spasmed out of his dirt-clogged body like an earthquake. I don't remember what he said, not really. It only comes back to me in those quicksand dreams where I feel the earth swallowing me forever. He was making promises, I think. Promising us that when the sky fell and became an eternity of mud, he would carve out a place for us in the heart of the forever buried. He would show us the love of Choke. I still couldn't see anything, but I felt his hand on my face, hot and dry and rough, and I tried to scream, but it just let in more dust. Harry did scream, though, and I could hear a struggle going on beside me, grunts and the sounds of flesh striking soil, then the sound of a car door opening and the sudden rush of wind and grit. And then it closed abruptly, and I was once again sad in the unmoving quiet of the car. Except this time I was alone. I never saw Harry Eisenhardt again. When the storm finally passed, I spent hours searching for him, but he was gone. I did find the body of Stefan, though, about twenty yards away. So encrusted with dirt, he barely looked human anymore. Black Sunday they called that storm, and Harry was a long way from its only casualty. He got lost in the shuffle, officially mourned by the staff of the Associated Press, and then never discussed again. I wish I could say more about him, but honestly, I hadn't worked with the man very much. All I know is that he was taken by Stefan Brotchen, and that it happened after Brotchen was dead. When all that made him human was suffocated, and the only thing left to move and speak inside him was that terrible killing dust. Hmm. Final comments. Based on the history of Boyce City and its deceptive roots, I would perhaps have expected some aspect of the spiral to be at work here, but its unique position at the centre of the dust bowl does seem heavily to indicate another power overtly at work. I have had my suspicions about where to be focusing my efforts, and the nature of the pseudo-prophecies given by the dust inside Stefan Brotchen seems to confirm them. To that end, I've been examining fault lines and seismic data for... Oh. Hello? Uh, Miss Robinson, I, um, I, I found Mr Vargas's statement that you asked for. Well, I, I found the translation. I, I already had the original, but... You know, I, I, I didn't think you'd want it in Spanish. <laughs> uh, uh, unless you speak Spanish. I do not. Thank you, Michael. Sure. Um, well, was, was there anything else that you needed? Mm, no, no, not at the moment. Thank you. Right. Um, well, if you need me, uh, they're installing that climate-controlled storage, that thing. Uh, over the weekend, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just getting all that together. Yes, yes, I'm, 
I remember. Right. Well, call me if you need anything. Thank you, Michael. And I will. Right. These additional researches have further cemented my belief that North America is going to be the focal point for the buried. Now it's just a matter of narrowing down the specifics of geography, and that may just come down to monitoring the right movement of supplies and people. I'm still not completely sold on the US for the hunt, but that's unlikely to be quite as urgent. For the buried, however, I do have what I believe might be quite an effective plan forming, assuming, of course, that my suspicions about Yan Kilbride are correct, and that's something that should be easy enough to determine once he's back on Earth. Considering what's probably happened to him up there already, I feel almost bad. But there's ten years yet before I can afford a conscience. I, um... I... Right. Right. My head is... That was Michael. It, it was... It was Michael. How, how? How was it Michael? He... it... it never... Gertrude knew Michael. He was one of her assistants, but, but, but that doesn't... that doesn't make any sense. The thing that calls itself Michael, it, it doesn't seem like it, it was ever human. So what happened to the real Michael? Did... I mean, that's not really a question, is it? He's dead. And it's probably because of Gertrude. I still can't figure out whose side she was actually on, or even if she was playing the same game. I... It doesn't matter. Everyone who came close to her seems like it it went badly. Her assistants, Jared, Leitner, Elias, though I don't think Gertrude has anything to do with his going rotten. But Michael did it take that form just to mock me? Knowing that at at, at some point I'd look deeper into Gertrude I What the hell are you? Just one door. So many of these stories, these these people touched by... Once you're on the path to becoming a monster, an avatar, it looks like it gets more and more unhealthy to be around you. I, I think... I think I need to... Uh, John, did you call me? I was in the studio, but oh, I thought I heard uh, shout... No, it's a false alarm. Okay, I'm sure. You're right. Yeah, I look. Look, I've been thinking. Are you sure I, you look? A bit... No, I'm fine. No, really, you're look, really. G Georgie, to... I need to move out. Um, yeah, I, I thought you were looking for a place. You know, now now you've got a salary again. No, I, I mean, I mean now. What now? Now it's like five in the afternoon. Well, tomorrow, then I, I, I just I don't like staying here. Well, thanks. You you know that's not what I mean. I feel like I'm putting you in danger. Well. Yeah, you are. A horrible mannequin thing turned up. I had to change all my uh, yeah, light bulbs. I, uh, this is my point. I said I'm fine with it, at least until you're properly back on your feet. You're not doing well. You keep apologising and saying you're changing, but it's all just the same. If you leave, I think it's just going to get worse, and I don't want that. I do appreciate... I mean, I don't... Georgie, you literally can't feel fear. Are you sure that that's don't, not... okay? I'm well aware of my situation. It does not make me an idiot. 
And it doesn't mean I've got a death wish either. Is it... Why are you so insistent on keeping me around? Because you're trying to cut yourself off and that's... That's really bad. Look, when's the last time you spoke to someone who wasn't me? That's... I, I, I talked to Martin uh, a, a, a few weeks ago. Did you talk to him or did he talk to you while you tried to find a way to escape? I... Look, uh, you're worried, I get it. But if you really think you're turning into something inhuman, you need people around you. You need anchors. All my anchors are just as deep in this as me. But you still need them. Maybe you're right. I, I'll talk to the others, check in properly, see if I can help with the... Uh, with Elias's new management style. But I won't stay here. If something happened to you, or, or God forbid the Admiral, because I was here... All right, fine. I mean, you're a grown-ass man, and you want to leave, find a hotel. I can't stop you. Just keep in touch, all right? Yeah. You know, don't be a stranger. Georgie. Oh, come on, that was classic Barker. It's not in the mood. Excuse us. Are you Jonathan Sims? Yeah, well... Oh, shit! <coughs> Miss Orsinov wants to see uh, you. She says she changed her mind. Uh, no, I... Magnus Archives is a podcast distributed by Rusty Quill and licensed under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Today's episode was written by Jonathan Sims and directed by Alexander J. Newell. To subscribe, view associated material, or join our Patreon, visit RustyQuill.com. Rate and review us online, tweet us at the Rusty Quill. Visit us on Facebook or email us at mail at rustyquill.com. Join our communities on the forum via the website or on Reddit at r slash the Magnus Archives. Thanks for listening. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, everyone. It's Helen here, the voice of Azu, Enola, and Laverne. Today, I'm here to tell you about Woe Begone, a podcast launched on the RQ Network. Woe Begone is a weekly horror sci-fi audio drama series about the nature of power and the implications of linear time. Woe Begone follows Mike Walters, who discovers a mysterious and violent online game. What begins as an exploration of an alternate reality game with real-life consequences quickly becomes a search for the technology that makes the game possible. Each episode has a unique soundtrack composed by creator and writer Dylan Griggs. Listen to Woe Begone spelled woe period begone, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or check out woebegonepod.com for episodes and transcripts. Have fun, and see you later.